0: So my name is Harriet Tinker, and I am a lot of things. I wear many hats, but most importantly, I work with young girls and young women to transform them so that they can be the best of themselves. My organization's name is Empowered Me. So it's Empowered Me. So it's about empowering yourself. And at the end, you feel empowered when you are, when you have that conversation with me so that is me in a few sentences this this is is is
1: diversified diversified
0: Game, game, game game
2: a podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with kelly he may
1: agree he may oppose and it's more than just race it's about you know ideas so let the game begin It's Kellen. And today my guest, Harriet Tinka. Oh yeah, you guys in Kenya. You already know. Oh, Tinka. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) I I she is a highly recommended guest from uh, Dr. Alan Leica, who they have written a book together, you heard if you when you hear that interview, you'll say, Okay, I'm putting two to two together. This is how you network people. But she's going to give us the game on how she empowers young people, especially young women, you know, helping them with their esteem, that self esteem and just becoming a better person professionally and personally. So
0: Harriet, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be part of the conversation today. So thank you.
1: Well, thank thank you. And I almost don't know where to start because if anyone goes on your LinkedIn, your titles, my goodness, BBA, CPA, the list goes on and on. You could talk about a lot of things.
0: <laughs> yes, I could. <laughs>
1: but, but. Right now in this season, you know, and we're getting ready for a new year um, in the holiday season, what is most, what is taking your time that has you the most focused on in your, your organization with the people?
0: Well, I think right now, because with the COVID-19, everybody has had an opportunity to stay in their own space and try to figure out what they want or what they don't want in their lives. So what I've really been focusing on is helping the young people. I've also actually, I do work with men as well, but they call my area is women and young girls is so right now is finding their purpose. And that really seems to be quite important to them. So what I've done is, just given the four questions that that I work with, and it's a I steal the idea from the Japanese word, Ikigai for reason for being. So I helped them find their ikigai. And if your audience don't know what that is, I can briefly explain it. So ikigai is really asking yourself four very important questions. What is it that I love to do? Maybe you love soccer. It doesn't mean you want to be a soccer player. Maybe you want a career that's, you know, that has that team kind of competitive edge. Or maybe you love going to the art gallery. It doesn't mean you want to be an artist. Perhaps you want a career in in, in something that's more creative. So that's one thing you have to ask of yourself. What is it that I love to do? The next thing is, what am I good at? This is a tough question because sometimes you don't know what you're good at. The best thing is to ask your friends. You might have been the person who maybe Kellen is really good at listening. He knows how to talk to people. You could have your own podcast or you could be a psychologist. So that's the next question, ask your friends, what is it that you're good at? Because you may not know. And the third thing, look around you, look what's going on in your community. What is that community gap that you can fill in with your skills? And the last thing of course, is what can you do and get paid for it? Because we all need to be compensated for what we're good at. So those are the four questions that I've been working with in my community. The Ikigai, what do you love to do? What are you good at? What is the gap in your community? And what can you do and get paid for it so that's really been my main focus among other things
1: well i love that and i don't know what you know how how would you translate that to swahili um <laughs> that, you know yeah 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 we got to make it we, we, we got to make it for, <laughs> for, for, for for kenya and and that's you know right. the rest the rest who who speak swahili um but um tell me this because when people are trying to find you know their purpose like we were taught at a young age Mm -hmm. figure out what you want to do and i tell my my children figure out what you want to do now i don't care if you're seven or you know when you're 17 figure out what you love doing because you can do anything that you want to do that you put your mind to so do you think that in the west because you're in canada i'm in south florida Mm-hmm. Did Do you think that the West Has just kind of lost their way in Babylon Or, <laughs> or you know, because when I, you talk to Africans It's an mm-hmm. honor to have school fees it's, yes. it's, it's, mm-hmm. You know, you don't take those things for granted um, mm-hmm. Talk about this Is this a Western problem?
0: It's actually a very interesting question Because I know when we moved from Kenya to Canada My parents said you are going to be a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, or a failure. So that's basically, those were my only choices. Of course, I ended up uh, not taking any of those. I ended up studying off being an international model. And of course, my parents were like, no, that's not what we came to Canada to do. You came here to get an education. So it really is really a cultural thing. When we grow up, especially when you grow up in um, in countries like Kenya or Uganda or Tanzania. It's so important to get a good education because it's not easy to get an education over there. The resources are a bit limited. They're getting better though, but you you grow up being told education is so important. You have to learn education. You're constantly learning, you're constantly learning. Now when I came to Canada, I noticed a big difference. It was a culture shock. It wasn't really a big deal to go to school. It's like, oh, just go figure out what you want. You can you just try many things, go out there. You don't have to really be in a professional, you can be in a trade. Or you can go travel for a year and find yourself. So I think at the end of the day is really your upbringing, whether you're from Canada or you're from Kenya, is how your parents bring you up and how they encourage you. So that's, that's one of the things I noticed, because when I came from Kenya to here, my foundation was still the same. Even though my friends were, I was seeing my friends being told, do whatever you want from their families. I didn't let that influence you because I knew at the end of the day, I know who I am and I know how I've been brought up. So it doesn't, it shouldn't really matter where you're from. It's really mostly the influences around you. That's what I have noticed in most cases.
1: And with being, you know, an international model with, with that mm-hmm. being the focus your self-esteem passport could really come in handle in handy because a lot of models even mm-hmm. though the surface you know um beauty is in the eye of the beholder but with the standard of tv beauty it's okay we're all beautiful you know here yes. as models <laughs> i'm putting myself in there people uh <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> We're all beautiful, but this person might have something that stands out a little more and you find out that person mm-hmm. might think the same thing as you. Um, the self-esteem mm-hmm. passport, how did you use or, or cultivate these things that you're teaching now while modeling? Because so many people suffer from a low self-esteem where you know people judge you off your looks first,
0: oh yes yes unfortunately that's how nature is in life you you judge by the by how you look initially so what i did with the book i was actually quite inspired with my journey as an international model when i set it off i was discovered walking down the street in edmonton and they said they told my mom have you ever thought They asked my mom if she's ever thought about putting me, her daughter, into the modeling industry. Of course, at the time, my mom was like, no, my my daughter was going to be a doctor. Thank you very much. So anyway, I finally, she finally accepted. She said, it's a deal. You become a, if you want to do this modeling thing, do it for however long you want. But at the end of the day, you have to go to school. So I did end up going to school after that. So when I was in my journey as a model, I noticed so many things that I, do affect self-esteem for example i am five foot nine and at the time when i was modeling i'm not anymore i was hundred and five pounds right now i'm 125 so i'm a little bit bigger than i was so when i was in the modeling industry i would see pictures of me and i i love what i looked like but when, at the end of the day when i saw in a magazine all of a sudden i'm six foot two and about 95 pounds and now all the girls looking at my picture, including me, looking at that picture, wishing I looked like that. But the reality is it was photoshopped. So these are the challenges in the modeling industry that I came across. I'm not even who I am. When I look at a magazine, it's a totally different person. So there was a lot of self-esteem issues. And I this I could write a book about my experience there. Maybe that's the next book. But having gone through that, I decided I needed to help young girls. and anybody out there suffering from those kind of challenges. So I came up with this book, Self-Esteem. So it talks about all the different journeys that you can go through when you're dealing with self-esteem. You have to have self-love because you never feel like you're enough. No matter what, in life, we never feel like we're enough. But you have to come to a point where you have to accept yourself with your perfect imperfections. There's absolutely nothing wrong with with, with you. You have to look in the mirror every morning and say I am enough so I've come up with different tools of anybody who's you know have challenges with self-esteem I can I can share some of that if anybody wanted to really you know tackle those moments where you're not feeling you're good enough
1: and are you married or single I am common law you are a common law. OK, so I, I'm going to I'm going to I'll be I'll, I'll get I'll be OK asking this question then, okay, um, absolutely. Um, it, because when you talk about your weight and your height, mm-hmm. it's very you know, if you come back to Africa, somebody might say uh, the man, <laughs> if he had bride price. Right. He might say, I, I, I actually I need you. Is she OK? I need her. Can she cook? Um, Are you sure? <laughs> you know, and they might want to try to plump you up a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yes. Because the culture is, is totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, Going like trying to fit somebody else's model of beauty is such a hard thing. You have to be mm-hmm. happy with oneself. Is that something that you have ever battled?
0: Oh, my goodness. Yes. That's why I, I totally get it when people say they have lost self-esteem. I was, everybody would see me on the runway. I had the best catwalk. I was outstanding. Even I still teach young girls how to walk on the runway, I do project coaching. I do all of that. But at the end of the day, I would be in my own space. I did not love what I looked. When I looked in the mirror, the reflection was not what I loved to see. I needed to work on myself. I've not always been this confident. Trust me. I was looking at myself. Even during the modeling industry, I would be the weight that I was, I would be told, You're too heavy. You need to lose weight. You're not good enough. Or sometimes, if it's an audition, I'll go audition with my African features. They'll tell me, Well, your nose is too flat. Your mouth is too big. Your eyes are this constantly being criticized and then i'll go to the next agent of say oh you're so beautiful you're exactly what they're looking we're looking for this season so it's always because when you're in the modeling industry it's all about the bottom line it doesn't matter how you feel it doesn't matter what it is in most cases if you're not good enough we'll take the next model so those are that's really did affect my self esteem i'll be in one minute i'm the most beautiful amazing girl the other thing i'm the ugly duckling so it was always up and down, up and down. And I had to find a way to absolutely love myself. I would use tools. For example, I would have a gratitude journal, being grateful for my health, being grateful for the simple things, people around me. I'd wake up every morning and use the mirror exercises where you wake up in the morning, raw with no makeup, because us girls want to look good at sometimes, even men, not just us. You look in the mirror and you're like, "Who?" So I'd literally, generally wake up in the morning, look in that mirror and say, Good morning, Harriet. I love you so much. What can I do for you today to make you happy every day? It's hard sometimes, but those kind of tools help you improve your self-esteem. Now, have you been at... Before before I say this, in
1: Kenya, I don't know if you know, suicides amongst men are up. Have you
0: heard that? Oh, I did not know that. I didn't know. Oh, my. That's that's not good. That's sad.
1: Yeah. And BBC did something... um, couple years ago on it and um, you know other people have have talked about it but when I was doing my research one of the guys he was saying in Swahili he said the reason why and he was in the more of the village setting not the city he said because our women don't listen to us anymore and we can't use the same you know we can't beat them basically. -hmm. Um, you know, we can't beat them anymore. And I said, This is why y'all commit suicide because you can't beat women. Um Mm -hmm. and it made me want to be proactive, and we've been working on some things with people um to you know get some mental health to certain people. Mm -hmm. Have you reached out to Africa back home to Kenya? Because it's so easy to do what you're doing there versus mm-hmm. sometimes in the West, you got to have a license for this, a license for that. Yes. You have to have five certifications and you have to report it to the government. Have you looked mm-hmm. at, you know, trying to take this even globally?
0: Wow, I actually, no, I have not. I have actually, the furthest, during COVID-19, I was able to do a lot of global one-on-one, a lot of virtual meetings and that sort of thing, but absolutely have not actually thought about going to Kenya. I didn't realize it was such a big issue. And now that you've mentioned it, why not do it? I'm so happy because my program is doing so well. I'm so, everybody wants to know how can I overcome this? I do work here in Canada. We have the indigenous community where the suicides are quite high. So I do actually literally go there quite often. really work with them on your self-esteem what is it that's causing this so it could be economic it could be social it could be cultural so listening to what you're saying about the men in africa feeling that way it's 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 all about relearning what you've been taught because now things are changing we have to basically change along the way the men have to support their women if you see a woman who's trying to better herself trying to be more independent It is actually important for the couple to talk to each other. Not one go off one way, the other go that way, because it does affect men because men are put in certain, they, they put them in a way you're not supposed to cry, you're not supposed to do this, but men are human. It's okay for them to cry. That's acceptable. We need to overcome that stigma to say men are not allowed to cry. And that's why a lot of them will commit suicide because they have no way out. Like you don't want to, people say, oh, I don't want a man who cries. That's ridiculous. But no, I want a man who cries. To me, it's like so beautiful because he's just in touch with his emotions. And I I do love working. I have worked with men as well. And they're actually the most outgoing people. They'll actually speak their truth versus sometimes women who kind of hide it. They kind of, you have to kind of, they have layers and layers and layers. But when I talk to men, they, they throw it out there. They say, this is what I'm going through. This is what I need to do. How can I get it done? So that's what I've noticed—the difference between the genders.
1: Okay, and and I can already hear my my, my African men globally say, "Yeah, right. Black women <laughs> want us to cry. Should never respect us again. Of we do. <laughs> you know, unless no, it's, we do. <laughs> unless it's at a, a, a funeral, right? A cry die type ceremony. You know, I come in there crying." Oh, man. Michael Jordan, LeBron, they lost. <laughs> Shut up. You know, nobody. I, I I so so you guys play this for your your wives and um girlfriends, you know, and yes. say, well, you know, this is what Harriet said and,
0: and That's see, right. it's all right. It's beautiful. It's it's basically why are you not crying, really? When you're a little boy, little little guy, you used to cry but so often. It's all right. It's okay. You're human. So if men are not crying, what, what are they doing? How are they letting it all out? I'm just curious.
1: Well, Agreed. you know how some of them are letting them out for mm-hmm. from the executive rooms to the bush. Mm-hmm. If they find somebody in the bush, that's where they're yeah. letting letting it out in probably a not most productive <laughs> way,
0: right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's so funny. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Interesting enough, I'm actually going to be starting my podcast called The Stigma Series. And I'm actually, the reason I open. I'm starting The Stigma Series is called I'm Still Champion. So I'm going to be talking to men about men stuff I guess why are they you know hiding their emotions that sort of thing I want to get it so I'm, I'm studying my podcast as well I already have one with the young people but now I want to focus on men I want to understand what makes you men tick and how can I help I'm happy to do that
1: I, I love that. I actually I want to sign up because I'll give it to you real and raw with no chaser at all. Ooh,
0: oh, maybe you'll be me. my first guest.
1: <laughs> yeah, just just yeah. let me know. I, I, I will be there, Um, <laughs> you know. Now, wow, that that almost threw me off, people. She wants a <laughs> sensitive um, man. <laughs> but OK, well, with what we're seeing here in the, you know, globally is suicides are even up because of COVID. Yes. Um, You know, for everybody's business, like, you know, many of our businesses, they've done quite well during COVID. And I'm sure yours has too. But there's some people who are Mm -hmm. out of business. Mm -hmm. Um, How have you, you know, been able to work with the local government there and the local community to say, we are here to help Change lives and save lives because the work that you're doing, I mean, this is Mother Teresa type work. It's not easy. (laughs)
0: It's not. No, it's absolutely not easy. I think the very first thing that I need before we even get any government funding is to let people know that your job does not define you. Number one, you do not get defined by a job. First of all, because you will need to work on yourself first. The, The economic side, yes, is also priority. But in order for you to even solve a problem, you need to feel confident in yourself and your skills. Like if you have a business that didn't do well and that sort of thing, obviously you're going to feel defeated. You're going to feel maybe some people say I feel like a loser. So. Number one, you need to work on yourself as well, first of all, as you're working on your business, the new venture. So what I've been working with with the government and other people is to work on everybody's mindset, trying to make them feel they're good enough and not trying to make them feel defeated just because your business went out of business and you're no longer part of, if it's a restaurant business or whatever industry. This is a time to start looking at your ikigai. Unfortunately for us here in Canada, we've had a lot of resources to help government. We, I'm sure in the U.S. you've also got some help. So it's, it gives you an opportunity to, in the meantime, as your business is going sour or is not going well, you have time. You still have the financials to kind of help you while you're trying to think about your ikigai. Maybe the industry that you're in is no longer your passion. Maybe you were just doing it at the time to just pay the bills. Now you can do something else. Like I know a lot of people who are doing in the restaurant business, is no longer there. So now they've gone into online. They're even doing online businesses that, that are so profitable, but they had to work on themselves first to identify why do I feel this way? Why am I defining myself to the business that went sour? So you need to kind of reflect and separate yourself from what you do. It's not who you are what you do is something that is separate from who you are.
1: And I that's what, you know, the 13 golden pearls that you guys can get this on Amazon, type it in, the secrets to living a fantastic life. Mm-hmm. Um the the golden pearls you to do that with someone who probably grew up totally different than you. Um <laughs> My, yes. my my wife, my wife is a physician, so I know mm-hmm. they think totally, you know, different because they're dealing with life and death directly. Mm-hmm. Um how how was that putting a book together? Because and, and I'll say this, both of you probably, you know, a personality, and then we're gonna put this together and we're gonna make it work. How did mm-hmm. the, you know, how did that? flow and go so other people can learn how to work together because many people struggle with that
0: oh it is it's uh definitely not easy but I I am a type of person who's very easy to get on with and I really accept people for for who they are so for me and Dr. Laika initially as I, I don't know if he mentioned it on the last podcast but I was the way I met him is I did a lot of things in the community so I was nominated as a trailblazer in the community to, that I made an impact in the community. So I was ready to get an award. So I was nominated I went to the award ceremony. And coincidentally, Dr. Leica was one of the biggest sponsor for the YWCA Women of Distinction Award. And it's a very high profile award that you receive. So he sponsored it at the end of the, at the end of the, re, the ceremony, we met and I introduced myself I said who I was, told him, we started talking we met for lunch and we decided hey we should write a book because we both had so different stories my story of course was more on the i was i was if you read the book i was kidnapped stabbed and left for dead so that was my story and his he had this diagnosed so we kind of thought wow at the end of the day it's not what happens to you it's what we do with what happens and what we decided to do is we said hey let's write this book took us almost seven years, to be honest, because he's busy with his, uh, with his practice. And I was busy doing my business and also doing, I was also a, a chartered professional accountant. So I'm a bean counter. I worked for the government and I was working the big projects. So between us, it was a bit diff- challenging to do books. We do a chapter, put it on the side back and forth. And then during COVID-19, we're able to actually finish it. So how did we get along? It was interesting because he is so set in his ways sometimes. But it's also at the same time, he's a very kind man. He's very giving. So that, I brought out all the best in him and he brought out the best in me. So between the two of us, we're able to come up with this beautiful document. So at the end of the day, when people are working together, you have to accept the differences and compromise. That's really the main thing.
1: And and when she says that about Dr. Laika, you guys have to keep in mind, his role as a physician as a surgeon my, my wife mm-hmm. being a radiologist she also loves to go and do you know get hands on if the patients are asleep
2: <laughs> and the way their
1: minds work and my wife is from Cameroon and so oh, she's okay. really yeah so she's really like like just a a personality <laughs> so they're there that's just how they're wired and, you know, it takes a special kind of saint to deal with a uh, physician's period, no matter where. That's so true. <laughs> Especially when they are so brilliant. Different. Yeah. Yes. When, when they're so yes. brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. Now, your whole life, it almost seems, is what my next question is. But enlighten us on what is your community give back that you haven't mentioned yet or that you would like to do in the future?
0: Oh, wow. I Right now, I'm, I volunteer in so many different places. Even with COVID, I've been quite fortunate to do it. So one, I do Big Brothers, Big Sisters, which I'm a mentor for young girls, this young little girl who I've been doing this mentoring with her since she was in grade two. She's now in grade five. So I follow her when she's done grade six. I start with a new student. So that's one. I do Big Brothers, Big Sisters. I'm a mentee. And then the other one is I volunteer at the women's shelter. So I go every Wednesday, I talk to women who have been in abusive relationship. And it is quite sad because the youngest that I have been able to talk to was 18 and the oldest was 95. So it ranges. So it's the extreme that I really find quite sad. I mean, even in between, but those extremes are always more emotional. So I do that. And the other thing I volunteer in a uh, old folks, old old age home, doing their taxes and financials. So I, that's my give back to them because I'm an accountant. So I do help them with their, if they want to do their taxes or anybody wants to do their businesses and they don't have a lot of money, I give them the guidance. And I also volunteer at the, it's called a uh, palliative care. So these are people who have, we're in the last stage of their lives and they really need somebody to be there for them. So I'm there to help the families who are going through this their loved one dying. So I'm there, maybe I read them stories. I'm just sitting there where their loved one maybe needs to take a break. So I'm just kind of like the middle person between the patient suffering as well as the family. And it's such a lesson that I've learned. I've learned regrets. You don't wanna have regrets. So having volunteered there for the last five years has given me a lesson of life and I've learned so much and I appreciate life even more. And I also volunteered about a ballet so that's how I kind of do my give, give back to the community. And I'd love to do more except there's only 24 hours a day.
1: <laughs> yes. And you have to recharge for your own mental health because you yes. take on everybody else's stuff. How, mm-hmm. how do you recharge? Cause uh, you know, people who do give, 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 sometimes they're the craziest people because they don't find <laughs> yes. a way to recharge. So what is a
0: recharge <laughs> you
1: could share with us that could help somebody else?
0: Mine is a little bit extreme and I don't know if anybody wants to do what I do. So I am an ultra marathon runner and I'm not sure if your audience knows what that is. Mm -hmm. So in case they don't, it's uh, any marathons that are more than 40 kilometers. So that would be like 50 K and above. So what I do, I run hundred miles, which is about 161 kilometers. So that's how I kind of do my runs. So it would be, you have to finish that kind of run within 30 hours. And then if you do not finish within 30 hours, you get disqualified. And I've learned a lot of failures through that because one time I got into a race and you're supposed to finish in 30 hours. I finished in 30 hours and two seconds. I was absolutely disqualified. You can imagine how I felt they're like going through this, ups and down, meeting bears, going, running and falling, and just going through all the challenges that you have And then at the end of the day, being told you've been disqualified by two seconds, that was hurtful. So I learned my failure there. So that's one of the crazy things I do. I do the extreme runs. I do military challenges. Like when I see, I don't know if you know, Tough Mada, M-U-W-D-E-R. So I do a lot of those. I'm almost getting my black belt. COVID just kind of set me back. I was at my pink headband. And the next one would have been my, and I'll finish it too. So I do those, I do a lot of running, I do a lot of reading. Every day I spend one hour reading on something that I'm passionate about. So by the end of 300, the year of 365 hours of something I'm really passionate about. So I learn every day, every day I learn and learn and learn and writing. Yeah. So that's Thank how it kind of
1: Consult your doctor before you guys try any of those things out. You have to remember, Harriet is Kenyan, and I promise you, Kenyan in Ethiopia, it's just they got a different type of energy on that that, that run, even for fun. I have a friend for fun who runs 10 miles every day. I say, I'm going to do half with you. Half. Half. No, no, no. When you do a 30- (laughs) hour run like that what type of rest
0: do you get well you can't sleep during the run that's most ridiculous thing you could do because if you decide to sleep you're gonna sleep for a long time so these kind of uh, races is you the first 20 kilometers that's all running because you're running after that is mindset because you're imagining yourself oh my goodness I still have another 140 kilometers left to run so you can't think that way you just think one step gets you closer to the finish line. And the biggest thing I'm asked usually is what is it that you're eating during your races? And I know that sort of thing. So one of the things that you, you have to keep in mind is you can't eat anything with fiber. That's out of the question. So the things that I eat is baby food, a lot of baby food, pickle juice, cause it's got a lot of salt. And turmeric. So uh, mustard is actually my secret weapon when I'm running because mustard has got... The salt, it's got the turmeric for inflammation, and it's just, it doesn't taste so bad. So that's one of the things I eat. And potato chips, this is the only time you can eat potato chips and feel less guilty because of the salt, because the idea is to retain water when you're running, because you don't want to be dehydrated. It will not end well. You get cramps and that sort of thing. So if you decide to sleep, we had a runner a few years ago. We decided to take a little nap, you know, power nap, and we found him two days later after the race was done in a little pit because we couldn't find where he But he had fallen asleep. He had frozen. He didn't die though. He's okay. It was just, he didn't end well. He was super tired. So you really don't want, you want to sleep the night before and keep your mindset going for 30 hours. It's, it's doable. I've done it every year. Even this year I did it. And one of the races that I did that I've never done before is run the rocks, which is running on the rocks. And it's, it's crazy. But that's how I keep my mindset, all the challenges I do. But I don't recommend any of this to, to your listeners. What I'd recommend to your listeners is to do something you are capable of doing based on your health. You don't want to go running like 20 miles. No, no, no. I recommend do something simple, like go for a walk around the block. Do the bike if you, if you know how to ride a bike and just enjoy nature. That's what I really recommend. Just do what you're passionate about. Don't compare yourself to me because I'm absolutely extreme and I love it. It makes me happy. So do what makes you happy. That's so important. And don't compare.
1: Man, well, you know, some of us, especially entrepreneurs, we love a challenge and to conquer things. And so that will spark somebody to put the chips down now so they can have them later. Do you have a little backpack of just food or do you just have like one bag of chips for
0: 30 hours? <laughs> oh, no, no, you have a little. Yeah. First of all, you have your, um, your hydration pack with you so you drink as you go and you have a little pack with food but when you're running these are stations that actually have food but it's not for every 50 kilometers so you have to have your food with you so you should have my nibbles as I go but you're not even hungry when you're running I can actually literally run the whole race without eating anything but I need to hydrate that's important
1: all right, man. This this is intimidating to some, a challenge to others. This is, you know, getting your 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 mind right. What do you think the number one mistake people do that you see, you know, so many people like that stops them from having a genuinely positive self-esteem?
0: Yeah. I think it's really what the, the, the internal dialogue, what are you telling yourself every day? That's the biggest thing that it's a roadblock. Like you wake up and say, I can't do it. The other person is doing, I can't do it. That's the biggest thing, telling yourself all these negative self-talk. So you need to kind of relearn and get rid of that, that negative talk and start telling yourself you're possible. So what I always recommend to people is we all we all have our own challenges. We're all gonna react differently. So for example, if uh, if I have this rock and I throw it in a, a pond, I take this rock, I throw it in a lake, I throw, I take this rock, I throw it in the ocean, or and so on. It's the same rock, but it's going to react differently. So all of us are going to react differently from different things. So don't compare yourself to somebody else. Maybe their reaction is an ocean. Maybe their reaction is a lake. So don't compare yourself with other people. So that's one of the biggest roadblocks. People are constantly comparing themselves with other people and saying, well, I can't do it. Look at that person. They did this and I can't do it. So just have your mindset and just do what you're really good at. You may be good, like I'm good in accounting, but... I'm not good with IT. Don't ask me to create a website for you or do any social media. I hire somebody who can do that for me to make me feel empowered so I can work on what I'm good at. So that's the biggest thing. Get rid of that negative self-talk and do the positive talk.
1: And, And I intentionally, you know people did not ask about the stabbing and the kidnapping because I want mm. you to go read the book. But I do want to have see. a teachable teachable moment because mm-hmm. we have some people online who now believe because of the money they're able to make from home that they are with the word high value. And <laughs> Um, the, and, and because I know so many influencers and, you know, many call me, um, at some point in their career, um, I, I don't talk about anyone, one particular person, cause it's not one person, but can you talk about, because I could see someone saying, well, what did she do to get stabbed and kidnapped? That sounds real personal and nobody can do anything to be stabbed and kidnapped. It's not your fault, you know. um, Now, unless it was self-defense, but why would they kidnap you? They might stab you, but they wouldn't (laughs) kidnap you. So could you talk about, just to give them a glimpse of, so they can get the book and and learn about the 13 pearls, why that happened? Was that someone you even knew or was it a random act of violence? (laughs) Was it in Canada? Was it in Kenya Or, or, or where?
0: Oh, that's a beautiful question. Yes, I can definitely share a little bit, not the details, but I can share some of it. So I was, as I mentioned earlier, I was an international model and I promised my parents when I was done school, I mean, done the modeling thing, as she called it, I would enroll myself into school. So I did just that. I promised and I did. So I went to school and when I was at the university, I really did not know who to trust because I've been this high profile model. I didn't know people wanted to be my friend because I'm a model, or maybe they really want to be my friend. So eventually, I met a wonderful man, such beautiful. It taught me everything that I needed to do to learn in the university because I was away from home and it was like three hours from my parents. So he taught me everything. He would show me everything. He was such a great friend. And I said to myself, everybody needs a friend like him because he's so so wonderful. Anyway, to make a long story short, that changed. He of getting jealous. I would go to my friends. He'd be like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be here at this time, blah, 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 It became absolutely obsessive with me to the point that I had to get a restraining order, which if your audience don't know, it's a, it's a document that you get from the judge that saying you do not come near that person. So I got that from the police so that he would never come near me. Anyway, to make a long story short, eventually he ended up finding me on my way in the elevator, grabbed me, and he was so obsessive because I would not listen to him. I had this restraining order against him, and he was my really good friend at the time. I trusted him, but in in the end, he stabbed me, and I actually, he stabbed me so hard on my leg And I had to learn how to walk, which was ironic. I was an international model walking the runway. And now I became a cripple and I had to learn how to walk all over again. So I did it at the end of the day. It took me a few years. I didn't just, it wasn't an overnight success. It took me so many years. I went through low self-esteem. Why me? How could this happen? I'm a nice person. You know, you go through those emotions and then, It was a little girl that inspired me to find my passion and share my passion with the rest of the world. So that's what I do now. I listen to that little girl because life is about connecting the dots from the past. So I had to connect the dots and say, hey, you know what, this happened to me. I'm not going to sit here and feel sorry for myself. That's not helpful. So I did that now, inspire young girls, young boys, men out there to really, really use your life to make it purposeful. Don't feel sorry for yourself. There's so much going on. I went through so much. If you know my story, I've been through so much. People say, how do you do it? It's all mindset. And I love my life. And I have no regrets. What happened to me happened to me. Otherwise, I wouldn't be the person that I am today.
1: Well, I'm going to let you guys read the book to find out if this man is still incarcerated or if she got one of her family members with the Maasai blade and the blanket to come wrap him up and do the needful because that would <laughs> that would be my you know let it be my 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 family that's uh, we don't need the police right. no 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 um, right. you know we got a nice a nice spear and a blanket we wrap you up send you off like a Mazungu tourist uh, <laughs> i love that yeah. <laughs> I, I love you sharing this game i want people to yeah. go get the book whether yeah. you are listening or those of you are helping our youtube numbers and we thank you you're in the minority <laughs> if you're watching but we yes. thank you um check out the links in the description box and harriet tell the mm-hmm. people where they can connect with you And any last words
0: you bet <laughs> you're so funny with the maasai
2: comments
0: they can absolutely connect to me uh, using my website um, empoweredme.ca just go in the website and you can get a hold of me or you can email me harriet at empoweredme.ca i am on linkedin i am on instagram so instagram is let me think empowered so Empowered Me, Y-E-G. yeah. Or you can just Google Harriet Tinker and you see all, all sorts of stuff and you can figure out how to get a hold of me. So I'm pretty much go, go, google Bo if that's a word. <laughs> De- <laughs> definitely
1: you are. <laughs> and with the multiple books that she's done and they've been bestsellers, you guys can find that stuff. <laughs> Check out the links. You guys have been blessed with the game. If you do nothing else, make sure you share it with somebody. It will change their life.
2: Hi guys, I'm Kai Gabiam from the Diaspora Channel, a lover of Africa. If you love Africa as well, and you would love to visit one day or to relocate to Africa, there is a course out there for you. And this course is my first trip to Africa. A course well put together by, by a seasoned traveler, Kellen Cash Coleman, this course is designed to prepare you to travel better, which will save you both time and money. And the great news is this course costs only $20, guys. It can't get any better. Go right now and enroll to this course at www.diversifygame.com. Don't miss out.
1: Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and lots, fish and grits.